Hello and welcome to the March special edition Nancy Street podcast episode, also known as the Clea episode. This episode was chosen for the March special because Clea is starring in her first solo series of all time, Strange, which really should have been called Supreme, but whatever. I'm not in charge of that sort of thing. She is the new Sorcerer Supreme of Earth in the Marvel Universe, and she is expected to arrive as a live screen character in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness this May. I first became interested in Clea... Hmm. Probably when I saw her hair. <laughs> I can't tell you how long ago that may have been, but it was probably two years ago. I started getting very interested in her character and started working on these projects that you can find on my website. Um, the reading lists for various female characters in comics who I adore. Um, characters like Clea, it's fairly easy to go through and read, uh, track down every single issue she's ever been in and read it. <laughs> read her parts in it, at least. And I have summarized all of that and put it on my website. Um, so you can literally read her entire character history front to back um, over and over again <laughs> in, in one single day. Um, if you have, or if you are so inclined, though, I don't know why you would be. If I could choose one word for Clea, it would be underappreciated. Um, and so that really sums up why I wanted to do this character spotlight um, at this time. I am very gung-ho for people to becoming fans of her. Um, there is so much to enjoy about her character when you stop and actually look. Um, and so I will did all that work for you and I'm just going to tell you all about her. Um, how we're going to do this, I have a list of her keys here. Um, and that's not really a good point to just go through and read it all. I will tell you, obviously, her first appearance was Strange Tales 126. Um, it is, it's, it was a first reprinted as Marvel Collector's Item Classics number 17 because that first appearance, 126, is hella expensive now. Um, but she appears as the girl from the Dark Dimension. She does not get a name until Strange Tales 146, 20 issues later. Um... It isn't until eight issues later in 154 that she gets her name on the cover of an issue. Um, and then she finally gets her first cover appearance when the series transfers over from Strange Tales to Doctor Strange. Um, and her cameo is there on Doctor Strange 175. And she has a full cover appearance on 176. She does join the, the Defenders. Um, I'm not really sure what issue you could really say that somewhere towards uh, way, way, way up there is when she like officially is on the, is on the corner box, but her first interactions with the Avengers are issues five and seven. She gifts Valkyrie her new suit in Defenders issue 40, which she wears until 89. And then, uh, I have a list of issues here about her origins, which you can check on my website because it's going to be weird to just list. Um, she's been the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension off and on. I have a list of those issues where she gains and loses rulership, starts the fights again, all of that kind of thing. And her outfit updates. As I have it, her official outdates have had one, two, three, four, five or six different looks. I would say six. Um, and I have the different issues that you can find those looks in also in that key list, key comic list. Um, there have been a number of alternate versions of Clea in different realities. The ultimate version of Clea had really no meaningful connections to magic or her character as we know it. The 2004 Marvel Knights series Strange was a, a, a throw and a miss, uh, and Clea was portrayed entirely differently in looks as well as personality. However, um, she did have two really cool roles in two other alternate universe series. Um, in Earth X, Clea first appeared in the fourth issue and is introduced as the Sorcerer Supreme. Steven is newly dead, and she claims to not know why as she helps the young Bruce Banner, who has the Hulk as like his pet, is what it is in Earth X. Bruce Banner gets a message from Steven from the beyond, telling him who the real killer is. It was Clea, and she killed him for love of Loki, who promised her what she's always wanted from Steven. Power. 
But when Thor finds out what happens, she, yes, Thor is a she, arrests Clea and takes her to Asgard, leaving Loki to do what he wants on Earth. Then, in Paradise X, Zen, X-E-N, Stephen Strange, who is alive again, returns to Asgard to free Clea, along with uh, the Asian super team Zen. In this reality, Stephen acknowledges his poor and juvenile treatment of Clea instead of having her as his equal when she well deserved it. He finds her where Odin hid her away and they discuss that very topic and in the end they do return to Earth together. Super satisfying to have all of that problematic stuff, toxicity about the relationship not worked out but at least mentioned and discussed. Um, because that really hasn't been brought up in a very long time when it was a key part of their relationship um, for many, many years. Then we have the 1602 Clea, 1602 being Neil Gaiman's um, alternate reality Marvel Universe. She appears in the first issue as the wife of the court physician, alchemist, and magician Stephen Strange. She uses her own magic to allow his disembodied head to speak to his allies in the final issue after his beheading. When her job is done and Stephen remains dead, she returns to her home realm through a portal door, revealing a Ditko-esque dark dimension beyond to everyone's surprise. So those are the alternate versions of her. Um, that I think they're the only ones, but they're the ones that are worth mentioning. Um, she has a couple of noteworthy appearances that you can also find in the key issues list. But for now, I would like to dive into her family. Now, Cleo was born in the Dark Dimension. Her father is Orini. He is the prince of the Dark Dimension. The people of the Dark Dimension are called Murux. I I don't know if that's how you say it, but it's M-H-U-R-U-U-K-S. So, go figure. Um, Orini was the prince of the Dark Dimension, as I said, before Umar and Dormammu arrived and seduced his father with their power, not sexually, and then kind of killed and overthrew him. (laughs) <laughs> Umar grew very close to Orini and more and more curious, so she ends up having sex with him but is completely disgusted by it. And when baby Clea is born, she simply leaves her at Orini's doorstep without an explanation. Orini never really gets over that monumental spurring. <laughs> and after Umar takes over the dark dimension and Clea starts her rebellion, Orini still sticks by her side, unable to get over that just one time. <laughs> um, there is something... This is, Orini is just... He's not a great guy. He's not a great father. He is not a great magician. Um, he is not a great king or ruler of his people. Uh, or leader, really. Um, but there is one thing that he does give us in the comics, and that is the crest of their family. There is no family name that is given with this crest. Um, but you can see it in Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme number 73. Uh, Clea Onorini's family crest is basically a Vesica Pisces, which I don't know if I said that right, but it's V-E-S-I-C-A-P-I-S-C-I-S. Uh, and it is a form of sacred geometry. It's also what you see, it's two interlocking circles so that the... Um, the edge, the interior edge of either circle is lined up with the center of the other circle. I don't know if that made sense, but they're perfectly overlapped halfway. That's basically what it is. Um, and there's some really cool stuff about the Vesica Pisces, which um, is oddly relevant to Clea, and I would love to see them bring into the comics as like a whole thing, especially since uh, there's this whole like metaphysical awakening or whatever you want to call it, um, newfound interest people have in spirituality and this kind of topic. So Marvel, get on that. Um, but yes, so the Viva, the Vesica Pisces, so when arranged so that the lens is horizontal, there's an interior lens that looks like an eye, but it would be placed horizontal, um, like an eye would be, I guess. It is two overlaid circles placed one over the other. Uh, it symbolizes the interface between the spiritual and physical worlds represented by the two circles overlapping. Clearly, there is an easy connection to the world of magicians and sorcerers in the Marvel Universe, right? Uh, physical and spiritual worlds. 
when they are arranged so that the lens is placed vertically um, and used to depict a halo or it says areola, areola, not but an areola, areola, whatever. It represents divine glory. Divine glory is a really good term for Clea's heritage, faulting on one side, Muruk on the other, a true intersection of purely magical beings. When the arrange again, when arranged the lens is placed vertically again, it is also said to be a depiction of the vagina and therefore symbolic of femininity and fertility, which is no need to explain a connection to Clea there. Now, the flower of life is a pattern creating from overlapping Vesica Pisces, which can be extended indefinitely with seen with hexagonal rings of 1, 7, 19, 37, 61, 91, all circles going on and on and on infinitely. Um, the oldest known occurrence of these overlapping circles pattern is dated back to the 6th or 7th century BCE. Um, and there is some, I'm reading this thing. Uh, one early example of our, um, five patterns of 19 overlapping circles drawn on the granite columns of the temple of Osiris in Abydos, Egypt, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, they're drawn in red ochre and are very faint and difficult to distinguish. The patterns are graffiti and not found in natively Egyptian ornaments. David Furlong states that these engravings can date no earlier than 535 BCE and probably dated to 2nd and 4th century CE. His research is based on photogenic evidence of Greek text yet to be fully deciphered. This text is seen alongside the designs and the position close to the top of the columns, which are greater than 4 meters high. Um, it is suggested that the Osirian was half filled with sand prior to the circles being drawn and therefore likely to have been uh, filled well after the end of the Ptolemaic dynasty, aka not as ancient as they originally thought, but it's still cool. Last about sacred geometry, when you meditate on any sacred geometry, it acts as a key which unlocks an opal's opens portals to higher realities. High vibrational sacred geometry opens up the doors of perception. A door opens your mind in your third eye and you see things more clearly. So that's all kind of stuff that we can assume is tied into her Muruk side of her family. Their magic is very much um, of that sort. Now on her mother's side, we have Umar. <laughs> Umar is faultine in both species and place of birth. She is of the Faltine. Umar is the sister of Dormammu in all technicality. I have to say that because the Faltine, there are no family structures. There are not even terms for just mother, father, etc. because they're all considered foul language. Even insinuating a body might exist is considered horrific and disgusting. Um, a physical body, I mean. Instead, they procreate asexually shunting off a part of themselves that grows into a being of its own, kind of like a clone of themselves. The Faultine are not physical beings at all, but are rather high-dimensional energy beings made up of energy and power. They despise physical bodies. It is considered taboo in their world. And the father, uh, the progenitor of Umar and Dormammu, is called Sinifer. But when the Faltine that become Umar and Dormammu are brought to life, they desire knowledge beyond the corporeal and are cast out of the Faltine after gaining their own bodies and destroying their own father. They travel across dimensions until they arrive at the Dark Dimension, where they help save the land from the Mindless Ones, and the king desires their knowledge of magic and takes them on as advisors. They end up overrunning his rule and taking over the kingdom for themselves. Now, Umar's relationship with her brother is rocky at best. At times, they work together for a common goal, but more often than not, one or the other of them ends up deceiving the other half and turning against them for the sake of more power. Now, while Umar did loathe the experience of physical intimacy with Orini, um, later in life, Umar will spend a night with the Hulk and leave very satisfied, and he will be breathless behind her. Um... You can do your Googling and find that if you'd like. 
Umar also says that because she lusted for matter, the act of conception at the time repulsed her. Repulsed her. And after she gives birth to Clea, she could no longer transform into her true faultine form and was stuck in her physical body. Now, I want to talk about the various women who become allies and Clea encounters throughout the years. Um, there's a lot of women who... She seems she seemed as a character to have a way to draw women who needed help to her. Um, and so there are multiple times in across the course of Doctor Strange comics where Clea um, ends up and you know going on some adventure because a female companion has asked her to or something like that. Um, and so I have a long list of various female companions that she's had through the years, um, through various means. So obviously, you know, of Umar, who is her mother, Victoria Bentley, um, was a woman who loved Stephen, um, early on in his Doctor Strange stuff. Um, but, but she had a little bit of magical power and early on at one point, she actually ended up working with Clea to mystically aid Umar, of all people, in a fight against Dormammu. Um, but she faded out of the comics after Stephen and Clea really became more serious. Sarah Wolf is a Native American of the Cheyenne Nation who becomes a friend and companion of Strange and Clea. Her status was very similar to that of Wong, but she hasn't appeared in the comics for 29 years, otherwise known as since 1993. They first meet when Clea and Steven are on a date at a dance club in New York, and Steven literally bumps into her. She's there on a date herself, which goes extremely sideways, and we see her as a regular character for some time after. At one point, it became really clear that Sarah and Wong, Wong were fond of each other and wanted to get together, but then it is revealed that Wong has been promised for marriage since birth, so he pushes Sarah away and their relationship never develops past fond friends. As for her relationship with Clea, she and Stephen were very close, but Clea never let the jealousy get in the way she did with certain other women. Clea always found Sarah to be useful to have around, and with the two of them teaming up more than a few times to overcome problems together. Still, though she is characterized as the voice of reason for Stephen and Clea most times, she's also shown to be a total slob and not very good with responsibility, which is odd. <laughs> Officially, Sarah becomes the official business manager for Strange, adding to that weird oddness. Madeline St. Germain is a woman that Stephen had loved deeply for a long time and claims to still love while he loves Clea as well. She met Stephen when he was her surgeon and they were almost married, but she left him long before he ever became a mystic. She pops back up in her in his story at one point for whatever reason in a flashback or something, I don't remember. Gaia. Gaia is the um, entity of Earth. Um, the mother goddess of Earth. Uh, her first appearance was Doctor Strange uh, Volume 1, Number 6, when she appears to Clea to request aid. Gaia specifically once went to Clea for help, since they are both women, and she knew that Clea would understand her plight. But when Clea arrives at the center of the Earth to help her, Dormammu is there. Gaia communicates to her that she intended for Clea to get Strange to help her, because she knew Clea could plead her case to him properly. Gaia had her place had her had her places growing, reborn essence at Earth core to grow in the flames. Oh my gosh. Earth's core was growing and Dormammu took a part of that and made it himself. I just made that sound so much better. Torn away without her consent in an extremely rapey way, and described thusly. Sibylla of the Sibyls. Um, she is another female character who reaches out to Clea for assistance. Sibylla uh, began an order of seeresses over 2,000 years ago, which a new seer replacing each old one as time goes on. But the order faded away years ago, and now Sibylla has contacted Clea to be the next Sibyl in line. Sibylla takes Clea and Strange to Rome and then magically to her temple from there. Sibylla's cavern is the nexus of all realities, and they need to form a triad, herself, Clea, and Thalia, the remnants of the last priestess. Clea accepts this challenge and takes her seat on the third of the three chairs, and they begin. Noteworthy, noteworthy that during these events, Stephen feels left out. Too bad for him. 
In the Hall of Sibyls, Clea is noting that there is a connection she feels Knowing this connection feels as if she were realizing her true potential for the first time, more power than she's ever had, and she loves it. As the ceremony is completed and Sybil cries out for the gods to use them to destroy the dreaded Black Oracle, and Clea realizes Stephen isn't there. The attacking bad guy, Zenus, seeing Clea is new at all of this, attacks her physically. Clea and the others still manage to close the nexus of realities. Stephen actually tells her in this instance that he's proud of her, and she declines Sybil's offer to stay and be taught, saying that she has a teacher already. I kind of wonder if Stephen hadn't said he was proud of her if she would have stayed. Morgana Blessing is another woman who Stephen loves, or who loves Stephen, which causes Clea to become somewhat jealous of her at their uh, at times of their friendship due to Morgana's own latent magical abilities that Stephen wishes to help her with. Notably, it is Clea who identifies that Morgana loves Stephen more than herself, which in my opinion is a start to Clea's taking a step back from the closeness of their relationship. However, in time, Morgana meets and falls in love with Stephen's vampire brother, Victor, aka Baron Blood. Valkyrie, aka Brunhilde, uh, meets Clea in Defenders Volume 1, Number 5, Val's second issue on the team. Things seem kind of rough for them. Things seem kind of rough for them at first, but they end up being very close friends still to this day. Same with well, not same with Annabelle Riggs. She, Annabelle Riggs ends up being um, the host to the Valkyrie um, after she dies, and Clea saves her. It's, Clea brings her back to life by attaching her soul to Brunhilde's soul, so they fuse together and can both live in one body. Patsy Walker and Clea first meet in Defenders 45 after Patsy latches onto that team in 44, and they have several times they work together over the years as well. Satana first meets Clea in Marvel team-up number 80 in the final panels. It is to Clea that Satana admits she might be helping Steven in the subsequent issue because she is becoming a better person. She ends up saving Steven from blood from wolfhood, but at the cost of her own life. Carol Danvers is actually a, a really good friend of Clea's as well. She first meets her in Defenders Volume 1, number 57. Carol and Spider-Man fight with Strange and Clea in a Marvel team-up, 76 through 77, an arc where Silver Dagger steals Clea's body and removes her soul, turning her into the version that would have been that she would have been if she was raised by Umar, her faultine self. It's actually a really cool thing to see. Now, Apollo the Sun Queen first searches for and spots Clea in Doctor Strange 1974, number 22. When she witnesses Clea become possessed by the mad... By, with madness by the villain Xander. Due to this, she's worried that Clea is not strong enough to help her, but Apollo cannot find Strange herself, so she needs Clea's help in at least that matter. She finds Clea watching Stephen in the orb and knows where he is. She transforms into her regal goddess form and thanks Clea for her help. Later in this issue, it is revealed that even this was not Apollo's true form, as she removes his disguise and transforms into her full-fledged true form, an inert celestial body. After this arc, Apollo's only ever appearance was one issue, Marvel Superheroes 1990 number 3, in the Captain Marvel story. In a weird take, the writer of this issue, Peter Gillis and the notorious Diverse Hands, reworked Apollo's story, saying that when she appeared to strange in human form, she had done so unconsciously through her need to aid. And when the events were over, she forgot who she really was. This goes against how Marv Wolfman wrote her originally, showing her human form to be simply a disguise she wears while on Earth. And finally, Topaz, who is a mystic occasionally that will help Steven with his work. She and Clea meet when she's left Steven already, but he has been possessed by Dormammu, and Topaz has to work with Clea to help free him of it. And some of the other enemies that she hits through the years... Akron, Silver Dagger, Umar and Dormammu, of course, Nightmare, Nox, who calls Clea the Bane of Light, and several others. Now we're going to go into other team affiliations and relationships that Clea has been involved in. We're going to hit on Defenders, Fearless Defenders, The Order, uh, The Mercs, Wong, Noble, and of course, Stephen Strange. Starting off with the Defenders, the first time meeting the team was in issue number 5 with Valkyrie, and then she meets the rest in issue 7, before she starts to involve herself heavily in 8. She and Val have main bonding parts, 
bonding points during the giant size defenders number one where val learns about her teammates with clea's help then there is a big gap until she pops up kind of scarcely in 21 through 23 and finally bruce banner involves her fully by asking for her help in issue 24 but again there is a gap right after where clea does not get involved with them again until replacing steven on their team in issue 39 and then she gets Brunhilde with her white and gold Valkyrie suit in issue 40. When Strange goes missing in 43, Clea is the magical counterpart to replace him while they investigate. Her role is fairly large through the story arc, which ends with Luke Cage and Red Guardian, the female version, leaving the Defenders and Patsy Walker's Hellcat joining. The three women have their first major bonding the three women being Patsy Walker, Valkyrie, and Clea, have their first major bonding together in issue 47 and throughout her next appearances in the series. Being a defender leads her to meet many allies, including Carol Danvers' Ms. Marvel in issue 57, but there's another gap till issue 70, where the familiarity of the team, and specifically its female members, with Clea suggests that she's been there in the background the whole time. The issues going from 70 to 85 and 89 are great examples of the bond she has with the Defenders characters again, especially with the female team members. When Patsy's mom dies in issue 89, Hellcat requires Valkyrie, Hellcat requests Valkyrie wear her original suit to the uniform as her mother had always preferred that one. Bit of an okay boomer moment in my opinion, but Brunhilde obliges out of respect and Clea is the one to transform it back to its original suit. Clea is there when Patsy meets Damon Hellstrom in issue 92 and is there through her their tumultuous journey in the arc that follows. Clea is again a major player in Lewis Strange through the arc as the series hits 100, even getting her own corner box appearances as a full-fledged team member. Unfortunately, it seems Uncommon Creative teams did not have the same ideas of her or for her, and her involvement in the Defender's story drifted off to near zero immediately following that arc. While on the team, Clea makes companions with fr and friends of the Hulk, Kyle Richmond, who she helps with his health, health a great deal, Gargoyle, the Silver Surfer, and Namor, as much as anyone can be close to Namor. The Fearless Defenders needed her help after the death of Annabelle Riggs, where Clea is able to attach her soul to Valkyrie, I've kind of already mentioned this, so the two can share a body. In the Order, she takes part as... Um, she takes the part as the female equivalent to Doctor Strange. Now for her relationship with the Murks, it's a bit more complicated, the Murks. It makes sense that since upon our first meeting of her, Clea betrays the leader of her people to save and free Stephen Strange, it takes a long time for the Murks of the Dark Dimension to see Clea as anything other than a traitor. Dormammu saved them in their eyes from the attacking Mindless Ones and continues to do so till this day, which has earned him great loyalty among their people. When Clea finally returns to the Dark Dimension, quote, for good, she plans on usurping Umar's current reign. It is Clea's determination that earns her the loyalty of her people, the fact the fact she is the only one ever to challenge the current leadership and come out alive. With her, the Muruks see there can be another way. Her relationship with Wong. Early on in her appearances, she and Wong had a good deal of time together working to help Steven, such as in Marvel Premiere 5 through 12. She and Wong are clearly going to be together a lot in this current Strange series, which again should have been called Supreme, um, as he is still assisting her as he did Strange. Noble is a character who only actually has a few appearances, but he is her aide when Clea is trying to keep the Dark Dimension from Dormammu. He only appears briefly, but he seems to love Clea deeply, and she has some feelings for him of some kind that pop up later in a weird... We'll get to it in her history. It's weird. <laughs> and finally, her relationship, of course, with Stephen Strange. In Doctor Strange number, Volume 2, Number 5, they take the first steps in the spiritual marriage of their souls. What it says is, Clea touches Strange's body and something mystical happens. She allows him to use her mind as a point of reference to start rebuilding his own reality, and his energy helps her recover her strength. They become mentally linked while she takes in his soul. Together, they break her chains, and Clea is able to make her escape. She arrives at the Sanctum and uses Stephen's strength to get them inside. Wong says the body is there, and she releases Strange back into his body. When he asks for her assistance, she finds that holding his spirit reignited her powers to be even stronger than ever.
In issue 8 of the same series, we see the second marriage event between Stephen and Clea. Clea ties the ribbon around her hair, Stephen around his head. She pours the water in a circle he draws, and they chant until he throws his most prized possession, the amulet, into the ring. The ring turns to gold and rises to encircle them. Clea moves away as it sends Stephen spinning through the mindless ones. Clea draws the demons of Dormammu away before they too can see Stephen. She's in intense pain, but knows that it's all up to Stephen now. The force of light goes through their connection, and he uses it to attack the mindless ones. The Guardian drains itself of Clea, and weather across the world is topsy-turvy due to Mother Nature's capture. Stephen rushes to Clea's side. She is all right, and she feels the power within her. They touch brows, his power and his magical knowledge is returned to himself. Clea would often use humor and try to ease the tension, to try and ease the tension of, strain, of Stephen's life and duties, which was always lost on him. One particularly harsh moment in Doctor Strange number 46 has Stephen and Clea on vacation in Italy. Clea is enjoying the ocean, but Stephen gets grumpy and tells her it's time to stop messing around. She still wants to have fun, so he magically forces her out of the water and into her usual outfit. And she makes a comment about, I see it is now time to be an apprentice again. And Stephen feels like he won. There are even moments where they clearly have just had sex, followed by Stephen becoming a strict teacher to Clea again. He's the kind to get off and get out. And not long after, by issue 53 of his second series, Clea leaves Strange to return at last to the Dark Dimension to free them from Umar. Much of her leaving was spurred by Morgana Blessing and the other women's feelings towards Stephen. And interestingly, the day after Clea leaves, Stephen sets up a date with Morgana. He ends up canceling it, but still, it does say a lot. Her relationship with Stephen allowed her to make friends with Brother Voodoo, Frankie Ray Nova, Rintra, and many more. This next chunk of this episode is going to be Clea's personal comic history. Um, pretty much just a rundown of her whole history, real brief. As brief as I could get it. So, born a princess of the Dark Dimension, Clea steps in to assist Strange to get away from Dormammu when she first encounters him. This marks her as a traitor, made worse by her father being the true king of the Dark Dimension, acting as right hand to Dormammu. Her punishment would have been vile, but Stephen comes back for her and brings her to Earth with him to live in exile and practice her magic. She becomes more heavily involved in the Doctor Strange comics in his first real so solo series, starting in 1974. She is portrayed as youthful and playful with a curious and sprightly nature, often used as a damsel in distress tool for Stephen, or a willing helper whose assistance is integral but usually not as good as she wants. Due to the nature of their relationship, Clea is both Stephen's disciple, student magic, and lover. It makes a complicated situation for them, or at least it does in Stephen's eyes. To Clea, it shouldn't be hard for someone to accept a person as both student of magic and partner in life, but Stephen struggles constantly with that notion for the entirety of their relationship. This made it really interesting for me, as upon reading Earth X, to discover that this, disco this discrepancy of treatment was addressed pretty much in full, and in a very satisfying way for anyone familiar with their character histories. So as you can see, Paradise X Zen. <clears throat> As soon as Clea gets an opportunity to take, a, to take a forward leap in her magical training and practice, she does. Her encounter with Gaia, starting in Doctor Strange 74, number 6, literally shows her thought pattern as she thinks back on the morning's practice of rabbit magic, and now she's helping the elder goddess of Earth herself. When this mission goes somewhat awry, a wire, awry still Clea works to solve the day's problems. She proves in this arc that she is a problem solver with a can-do attitude, the perfect mindset for a student of magic. She goes far to prove herself and her abilities to show what she's capable of, in part, no doubt, to silence her own imposter syndrome feelings. However, as the series goes on, Stephen starts to force a split between life partner and magical student, which pushes Clea away and makes her question her legitimacy as either of those roles. There are even times where he refuses her assistance, only to be proven in needing it later on. To add to this strange period in their relationship, they get time travel involved, first taking her to 1618 and 1775 London and joining one Benjamin Franklin on his sea journey. It is on this ship that Clea demands Stephen tell her how he feels, since, they, since he never returns affection and tends to treat her solely as a student, not a lover. This confrontation gives her nothing, as Stephen simply makes more excuses as to not 
as to his not being there for her. She turns to Franklin in comfort and may or may not have let him have his way with her before time gets rewritten and that whole plot ends up having not happened. Still, it's a good example of Stephen's neglect to Clea and her attempts to make him see things from her perspective. When she begins to be involved with the Defenders, Clea's role starts off much smaller. First meeting when bonding with Valkyrie, it takes Clea many years before she's accepted as a member of the team herself. There are a few points in her comic history that show Clea's true potential when it comes to sorcery. One of which was in Doctor Strange 1974, number 22, where her mind is put behind a sort of curtain, replaced by one much more certain of her power in its stance. She demands subservience from the police and bystanders, but when they turn on her, she calls forth all manner of creature from the sewers and other dimensions. Interestingly, in this incident, Stephen is ludicrously, ludicrously furious at her, even though it was not her doing all those things. Still, he manages to free her by rooting out the madness in her mind. Stephen and Clea's relationship begins to be portrayed much more sensually, with much or with more sensuality, in the mid- 20s of the 1974 series. Flowing bedgowns, deep necklines, wistful glances, all adding to the frustration of the sometimes real, sometimes fairy tale romance. But still, even when Stephen agrees with her that things needed that he needs to change, he puts in little effort to do so. Additionally, they start to age Clea up a bit, so she's more in her 30s than her early 20s. The relationship struggles begin to peak in issue 76 to 77 of Marvel Team Up, where Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel are on the title pages. In Team Up 80 to 81, we get Clea's name on the title and the brief introduction of another legendary female cast member, Satana. From then, Clea's skills as a sorceress really start to pick up, and she becomes more useful to Steven than ever, just as their relationship is getting closer than ever. Maybe it's due to this that Steven starts once again pushing Clea away more than ever and keeping their time as lovers and disciples slash teacher entirely separate. With the addition of Morgana blessing yet another woman to love Steven from afar and her potential magical gifts, Clea decides at last that her time on Earth has come to an end and returns to the dark, dark dimension to lead her people in their rebellion. Since her first time helping Steven against Dormammu, her people have been slowly waking up to the way things could be for them, out from under their dreaded master's fiery thumb. When she starts her uprising in the Dark Dimension, Clea and her rebellion set up camp within the realm of the Mindless Ones, a place Umar would never go to look for them. A Muruk called Ral becomes Clea's right hand and assists in capturing her father, Umar's right hand, Orini. When, when Steven arrives later to help Clea fight, Orini tells Clea of her true parentage, that Umar is her mother. Upon learning this, Clea understands her duty to her people and brings the fight to Umar, winning out in the end and becoming the Dark Dimension's Sorcerer Supreme for the first time. Not long after, Clea's new life is disrupted by Steven yet again. This time, he requires, re requires her help, and it is with Topaz that Clea saves him. Afterwards, they speak and decide to wed. It isn't any kind of legal marriage, but one that the two of them recognize. The rings they wear are mystical heirlooms from the Dark Dimension, from before Dormammu's time. They look to be two, but are actually one ring. So the two of them will be together as long as they wear it. Cute concept, but as someone following this relationship chronologically, this was the equivalent of going to Vegas to get married because someone dared you you wouldn't, or because you think it'll save your relationship. Their relationship rekindles at the start of the first Sorcerer Supreme titled series. Now that she is Sorceress Supreme of the Dark Dimension, Clea starts being able to see what Regency is really like. Unfortunately, much of her time in the Dark Dimension has pulled has her pulled away to help Steven with his own problems. The rings were meant to make it so that they were always together, but for Clea, it's forcing her to come to his aid more often than ever before. We're also going large gaps of time without seeing her appear in the comics at all, so it's odd the next time we see her, it's true like she's been there all along. To further add to the post-marriage confusion, Morgana takes their rings as a personal threat and tells Clea that their rivalry is bigger than ever because Morgana doesn't believe the rings mean anything. When Steven doesn't come home when Stephen doesn't come to the aid of his wife and instead defends Morgana, we really start to see what a sham the rings truly are. To make matters worse, not long after Stephen puts Clea under a sleeping spell in an attempt to calm her. She is enraged upon waking, of course, and returns to her home dimension. The trust has been lost in their relationship. The next time we see her, it is Stephen checking in on her six months later. 
She is no longer in control of the dark dimension, as Dormammu has brought the dark back to consume the light that Clea created. Dormammu brings back Orini and Umar from where they were banished, killing Orini and forcing Umar to side with him. It takes almost no time at all for Dormammu to capture Clea and Steven, starring to make Clea second-guess her abilities as well as her position again. She says yesterday she was a queen of a universe ruling all she surveyed. Today she is captive of darkness, not even worth killing. Now in exile on Earth again, Clea's mood takes a dip. Steven, seeing her so sad, can't take it and puts her in a coma. He literally puts her under a sleeping spell again, saying it'll only be a few hours until he knows how to help her. However, it isn't until four issues later that she finally wakes up and confronts him. She tells him, listen, she's not his disciple. This world doesn't even recognize her as her wife, as his wife. And now she wants to s some time to think about if she ever wants anything to do with him either. This was another huge breach of trust, putting her to sleep instead of helping her through her sadness. And in the end of this arc, Clea has to come to Steven's aid to save him again. Not long after, Strange has his Infinity Gauntlet tie-in, which finds Clea attempting to put together the pieces of Masterson Thor. Put back together the pieces of Masterson Thor. As she settles into Earth and life, Clea gets a job at a metaphysical institute, studying what she says is, what passes for psi powers in this relatively mundane sphere. A number of excursions see her battling various foes, including Nightmare. It doesn't take long for Clea to start yearning for her own world and her friends and companions she left behind there. She's soon greeted in a very pervy issue by a Faltin who claims to be her cousin, appearing before her like a tiny fairy. His name is Flix, and he has come to ask her help for the Faltin kind. Flix takes her to the Dark Dimension's neighboring Purple Dimension, where they are able to gather crystal weapons from that king in order to properly start the battle for retaking the Dark Dimension. After a while, it is revealed that the reason Flux wanted Umar to pose was because he is actually Dormammu, and having had Clea's assistance taking back the Dark Dimension with him, he can rule it again as his true self. It's a wildly disappointing turn of events, but with help from Strange and other allies, Clea manages to get the crown back by the skin of her teeth. But keeping it is even more difficult, and Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme Annual Number 4, 1992, Clea again requires help in regaining the birth the control of her Romaine domain. <laughs> After an extended break from comic appearances, Clea pops up again when she has when she and the last of her infantry are headed to sign a treaty with Dormammu. It's here that we meet Noble, her aide who is definitely in love with her. The treaty signing ends poorly, with Clea and her at least six fighters hiding among her last six fighters hiding among rock outcrippings while Dormammu hunts them down. And, Noble, and as Noble dies, he admits he wanted to build a life together here with her. The battle ends with Clea's fighters giving her their power so she may fight Dormammu alone. Before Dormammu can beat her, a copy of Stephen Strange whisks Clea away, calling itself Paradox. It says he is neither Stephen nor Noble, but also both, and he is here for her. This was a weird time for Stephen Strange, you should note. The author of these pages also follows me on Instagram, so no offense if that was you. Through very scattered 90s appearances, Clea and Paradox fight Dormammu's, appear Dormammu's demons, often taking his own mag magicians into their ranks. But when the time comes that Clea had one last battle to fight for the Dark Dimension, she needed Steven and he did not come. She loses the Dark Dimension fully and he doesn't make an, and doesn't make an appearance in Doctor Strange comics again until 2016. In the meantime, we see her in a few issues of The Order, where she is brought in as a female analog for Doctor Strange, and Clea establishes their bond of man and wife was a previous condition. There's a few odd moments for her, like calling out a prayer to both Umar and Hecate, both odd for their own reasons. Umar isn't a goddess and certainly wouldn't lend Clea powder. Power. I'm not sure if Hecate has a Marvel character, but she is a goddess of witches, or queen of witches, depending on who you ask, so at least that makes a bit of sense, but she's never been referenced in Clea's history at all before. Her involvement with the Order ends with the knowledge that Clea only agreed to help if they would take her back to her own world and help and help fight for, with her, but that's never been brought up again. Coming after that is Fearless Defenders in 2013, where Clea is able to do the impossible and bring Annabelle Riggs back to life, sort of. She's able to find Annabelle Riggs in Valhalla after her death and attach her soul to Valkyrie's body, so they now share a body, or as they phrase it, she is near the new host of the Valkyrie. Clea sticks around for a few issues and has some fun with the girls again, but she doesn't seek out Steven in any, in any way.
When she finally does see Stephen again in, 20, in this 2016 annual, she helps him and Zelma fight a creature attacking Wong, and again we see her siphoning energy off of other magical beings. In fact, she was here to check if their magical rings were causing her to siphon magic off of Stephen. The end of this encounter has them discuss the statues of the the status of their relationship. They agree friends is good enough, but the romantic love on Clea's side is long gone. In the final damnation tie-in, we see Clea and Stephen catch up after his after this big battle is won. The big battle, really. There had be, there had been hints to Stephen and Velma's romance at the time, and this writer chose to make that the object of seat on Stephen's mind, which Clea seems to approve of. In 2019, Clea and Valkyrie have another chill hang. They make some jokes, and then Val brings up why she needs help. She's worried about Annabelle. That she's worried that Annabelle will accompany her into battle one too many times and die with her, foreshadowing what is about to happen. Clea says she'll look into it, but she's Annabelle's anchor on the mortal plane, so it's unlikely. A few issues later, Val is killed, and Clea appears appears to the Asgardians of the galaxy. She explains the whole trick she used in Fearless Defenders, how she attached Annabelle to Brunhilde, and that they're not the same being. They don't exist in the same body, she says, so Annabelle is alive, out there somewhere. Clea uses Ren to locate her through their connection, and taps into Scourge's axe to help them cross space and time to Valhalla. Annabelle is there, and Clea uses the axe again to return her to Earth. Then there's the tragic 2018 Doctor Strange issues where Clea comes to the help of him again, calls him her ex, and ignores the fact that Umar is her mother, and then says that she loves him in the end. The issue, the, the next issue, he wipes her memory of him. It's stupid. It's just so stupid. Stephen Strange tends to cause problems that other people have to deal with, not himself. Thankfully, Death of Doctor Strange fixed that stupidity by saying that what Stephen, that when Stephen was killed, the deal with Mephisto he made was off and her memories returned. But through Death of Doctor Strange, she refers to Stephen as the love of her life, her husband, etc. All things historically might have been true at one point of time, but that isn't really where things left off. It gives me the feeling that when the real Stephen is back, he's not going to be a good husband to her again. Because that's how it always has ended up with them. She proves herself, he gets sad. She gets more powerful than him, he feels small. He gets invited to a ladies she gets invited to a ladies' night in, he feels left out. It's the pattern of their relationship, and with an ego like that, I really don't see it changing. Finally, let us talk about where we are today with Clea. She is obviously the Sorceress Supreme of Earth. My question is, when did she become Sorceress Supreme of the Dark Dimension? Because the last time that she said anything about where she was hanging out was in 2018, I believe. Um, and she, no, that was in Fearless Defender. She had been hiding in Valhalla. And she no longer could. She Dormammu was sending um, trolls and stuff after her. And then she was hiding in the purple dimension at some point after that. Um, but then they established her now in uh, The Death of Doctor Strange. They established her as Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. When did that happen? Because as far as I know, Dormammu hadn't given that up. Did they just write that in? Uh, I don't know. But... You know, this the series has already so far established that Clea is a faulting check. Uh, didn't mention the Dark Dimension or Rini at all. Uncheck. Uh, but it did mention Umar and Dormammu being related to her. Check. So that's good. Um, and it did bring up some questions. Will she ever meet Doyle, her cousin, Dormammu's child? Um, I really get the feeling with her history with Dormammu, she might not be super into Doyle. <laughs> that or she'd give him benefit of the doubt knowing that she herself is the daughter of an infamous warlord. So we'll see. Um, I think that there is a ton, a ton that they could do with this series. Um, my concerns are just the lack of continuity with their relationship. Um, very firmly the last times I saw each other they were not husband and wife. Very firmly. Um, I don't know how she became Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension, and now is she Sorcerer Supreme of that and Earth? Um, so who's watching the Dark Dimension while she's in Earth? Uh, I 
I got questions. I got questions. It's only been issue one, but I guess we'll be getting more, so hopefully it'll be explored. Checking out the previews website, the Marvel website, literally every site I can find, there is no word on how many issues this series is going to be. I would bet five or six. They haven't announced that it's a miniseries or a limited series in any way, but... I mean, come on, are they really going to give Clea on? No, they're not. They're going to bring Steven back and then make him the center of attention again. So I'm still holding out that some miracle will happen and Clea will get her dues. Um, like, more than anything, I just want her to bitch slap Steven with her words about how he's treated her over the years. Bitch, look at me now! I'm Sorcerer Supreme of two dimensions! However that happened. But yeah, love it. Love Clea. Um... Again, I have all of her information on my site. Uh, it's sensationalshegeek.weebly.com. Uh, I guess I should go over my socials. I didn't do that at the beginning, so we'll do it at the end now. My Instagram is Anna with the comics, because my name is Anna and I have the comics. My Twitter is Savage she Geek because sensational was too many letters. My website is sensationalshegeek.weebly.com, which does have highlights on the front page about characters such as Madeline Pryor, a.k.a. the Goblin Queen, Ileana Rasputin, a.k.a. Magic, and Clea, of course, the new Sosa Supreme at Marvel, who is also bound to show up in Multiverse of Madness in some way. You can also find on my site podcast pod notes, which uh, I put up there for kind of reading the podcast instead of listening. Um, and of course, for anyone who is hearing impaired who would like to follow along with the events of the cast, they can do so. And it also has links to everywhere that you can listen to the podcast, which is pretty much all podcast hosting apps and includes YouTube. They're all in a nice little playlist in order there. And I also post some action figure review videos. Um, I have the Marvel Hasbro Marvel Legends binary as uh, the last video I uploaded, but I'm hoping to do a tour, a toy tour, you know, kind of video uh, setup sometime soon as well. I do have a podcast Patreon. It is Sensational She Geek. It's set up there for donations to support the podcast because I do have a day job. Um, and the more that donations get sent to the podcast, the less I have to work the day job and the more I can work on the podcast. That is the ideal thing. I also have Kofi, Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal all linked on my link tree, which will appear at the bottom of each episode. Finally, if you are interested in a sticker that says a woman's place is in the comic shop, you can find that on Redbubble under She Geek Shop, along with a few other fun, dorky, nerdy joke things. And it's Redbubble, so it comes in literally whatever shape size you want. <laughs> Quantity, I don't know. Um, this has been the end of the March Yancey Street Special. The April Yancey Street Special will be focusing on Madeline Pryor and Ileana Rasputin. Hope to see you then.